This episode of The Chris Johnston Show is brought to you by Shopify. If you could trade a bench warmer for the GOAT, you'd do it, right? Right? Get your business a game-changing pickup by choosing the commerce platform with the internet's best converting checkout. That's Shopify. Shopify is the commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. Whether you're a garage entrepreneur or IPO ready, Shopify is the only tool you need to start, run, and grow your business without the struggle. It puts you in control of every sales channel. So whether you're selling signed sneakers or offering official outfielders outfits, you are covered through Shopify's all-in-one e-commerce platform. And once you've reached your audience, Shopify has the internet's best converting checkout to help you turn them from browsers to buyers. It also powers 10% of all e-commerce in the United States. And Shopify being a truly global force, it powers sites like Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across over 170 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every single step of the way. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Johnston. All lowercase. You know the name already. Shopify.com slash Johnston to take your business to the next level today. Uh, I know that some in our audience know the finer points of hockey. The Chris Johnston Show. We are your friends. The biggest stories, bringing you inside the game. What did you hear? The Chris Johnston Show. Powered by Sports Interaction. Want to bet? What is going on? Here's Chris with your host, Julian McKenzie. Part of the game. Big Money Siege. Gotta talk some money to start off the show. A long contract stalemate coming to an end. Uh, Trevor Zegras signing a new deal with the Anaheim Ducks. This just came through about a couple hours before we started recording today. Uh, three years with an AAV at 5.75. Let's delve into this topic. Why did it take so long? How did we get here? Well, it took long, you know, I think in large part due to the fact that Anaheim, you know, drove a hard bargain that they, you know, had a, a pretty firm line in the sand with Trevor Zegras and, and, you know, without provide, like, I, I think that that's, this is the contract to do it. If you're a team, uh, the, the second contract for a player is, is when, you know, the CBA gives you the most amount of power and leverage over those players, I guess, beyond the entry level deal um, to, to make things difficult. Uh, you know, in Zegers's case, all he can really do uh, is, is sit out and, and hold strong in, in negotiations. And, and ultimately, you know, that's what happened here. In in the last few days, the the Ducks had, had upped their offer pretty significantly from, from where they were at last week. And, and you know, there was uh, some meetings last week. It was described to me as, as a slog of a meeting. Um, but, you know, when they were looking at paying him somewhere in the 3 to $4 million range on a short-term deal, and then, you know, obviously bumping that up to $5.75 million, I think is is a, sort of a happy medium. And, you know, it's it's a good contract for a young player who I think has lots of upside now because, you know, he's he's going to now be be hitting the market again or becoming restricted free agent again down the road. He'll have arbitration rights at that point. He'll be very close to being an unrestricted free agent. And, and of course, if his career trends in the right direction, you know, he's coming off back-to-back 60-point-plus campaigns. If he gets into 70, 80, 90 points in these coming years, well, it's safe to say that the third contract, he's going to have a lot more leverage and he's going to be making a lot more money. Okay. 
Um, we talk a lot about young players being signed long term and and teams buying up as many years as they can out of their young players. As someone who's not in that market, I'm still intrigued as to why three years is the number and not a full, you know, not more term on that. Why is it this is because this is essentially a bridge deal with Trevor Secrets. Why are the Ducks settling on this? Well, I think there's not a one size fits all for each team, each situation. Obviously, by signing him to three years, they're keeping the AAV lower in the meantime. But I, I think it's a fair question. I mean, there, there's a lot of risk involved with signing players long term. Just you don't know how they're going to develop, if they're going to be healthy enough. Um, you know, it sets sometimes internal precedents. Although there is, remember, there's a bit of a precedent set here. You know, Troy Terry got a seven year deal uh, from the Ducks earlier in this offseason. So it's not as though they haven't gone longer term with some of their other players. I mean, I think we've seen more and more teams try to go long on these second deals. You know, Buffalo's done it with a few players. Obviously, Ottawa pretty famously now is, you know, had a number of guys starting to eight-year deals, uh, Kachuk a six-year deal. But, but you know, they, they've tried to extend their their sort of young talent out as far as they can into the future. And, and you know, I think in Anaheim's case, they just didn't want to get to the kind of numbers it was, it was likely going to take, um, you know, in order to get Zegra signed. And so it, it kicks the kicks the can down the, down the road a little bit before they have to do that. Um, you know, and, and keep in mind, it's, it's, there's a short-term benefit of not having his cap hit immediately be so high. And then the second is that, you know, if, if he has any sort of setback, I mean, maybe you're not looking at as, as long a deal or as, as pricey deal on the third contract. I mean, I think that all that factors in, but, you know, I think the ducks really want, you know, the player to earn it. Um, whatever, you know, however you view that, I think that, there's still a carrot uh, dangling, you know, here. I mean, obviously Zegris is getting, you know, pretty nice bump from entry level contract up to 5.75 million. You know, he's going to get to join camp here uh, with the season, you know, a week, week and a half away from starting. And then it's, you know, maybe two years from now and they're doing a longer term extension at that point in time. And so I think, you know, sometimes it, it comes down to a, a matter of motivation too. And just, just keeping a little bit of fuel in the fire that you want, you know, a certain player to have to, to prove something. I mean, that everyone isn't the same motivation wise. Um, and so I think that those are kind of the factors you're, you're looking at, you know, Anaheim's in a, t in an interesting spot in a sense, um, because they're a little bit positioned as in the way that Ottawa has been and Buffalo has been and that they're rebuilding and, and, you know, maybe you don't want to sign all your players to eight year deals, you know, right out of the gate. I mean, I think that you have to kind of factor in how it trickles through a team and, and the, the future decisions to come. Um, but I, I, you know, I think ultimately, look at if Zegris, what he's shown in three years so far now in the league has has been pretty strong. And if he uh, keeps trending in that direction, I mean, he's he's going to have a lot more uh, a lot a lot more to say at the negotiating table a couple of years down the road than he was able to do now. I mean, when you ask why it took so long, it's because the Ducks didn't move much until they they had the move. Um, you know, when when you're getting to a third contract, typically the players have more more ammunition to 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 get the sort of deal that they want. Absolutely. I mean, a guy like Zegris is a guy like Zegris. He's already had the 60 point seasons. Uh, there's some marketability to him. We, we've seen the Michigan. We've talked about it on the show. This is a player that like, again, be, me being removed from the situation. I'm still surprised uh, that the team uh, would want to commit so, so few years to him as opposed to a longer term deal. But I mean, hey, maybe well, it could work out for them in, in that in that sense. The player has to take that deal too, and it's it's hard to turn down that kind of security. But keep in mind, any player signing a contract right now knows the cap's going up, right? And so, mm -hmm. while we don't know the exact figures, I mean, 
pretty safe to say it's going to be a 5% bump. Uh, assuming everything goes as planned this season, it could be another 5%. But then, I mean, it might be, you know, $91 million cap the next time Trevor Zegers is having a discussion with the Ducks and he might have some stronger seasons under his belt. And so, you know, I, I think that that's kind of the, it, it seems to me here, while there, there was an agreement on money for the longest time that I think the sides have been focused on a shorter term contract for some time now. I think that, that they decided that was probably the best path forward for them to, to get a deal done. And so, you know, it's it's not just one or the other's decision. You need you need two to tango, and um, you know this is like this is a good time to have short term deals. I mean, remember we saw lots of players that were UFAs in the summer, whether it's you know Bertuzzi, Domi, Gavrikov. I mean, took one and two year contracts because they're they're anxious to have a crack at it again once the, there's a little bit more money in the marketplace. And Zegris will be among those uh, hoping to take advantage of those situations as well. CJ. Um, let's move on from, uh, Trevor Zegris to Jamie Drysdale, if we can, what's the latest on that situation? Well, it's a little different situation than the Zegris one. I think primarily because Jamie Drysdale just played eight games last year. He was injured, uh, for, for most of the season, which I think complicates projecting where he's going to be at it. Also from his perspective, keeps him shy of being arbitration eligible, uh, for a couple more seasons. And so I think it's a little tougher to, to get to, uh, the spot they're going to be at, but but certainly you know getting Zegris done, I do think, gives the Ducks a chance now to to regroup and focus just solely on the one remaining restricted free agent. And let's face it, I mean, in in this case and in one that I'm sure we'll talk about with Shane Pinto and the Ottawa Senators, there's only two players league wide now with Drysdale and Pinto that are, that remain unsigned and, and out of their team's camps. Um, you know, there's there's a pretty significant pressure point coming. And and that's that that we're down to the last week here of preseason and exhibition play, and and so for those players, I mean, uh, if if there isn't some movement in in contract talks, then you're you're looking at missing uh, more games in the regular season. I think everyone involved in the Drysdale and and Ducks conversation understands with him having played so little last season that you know missing too much more time is probably not in either his or the team's best interest. So um, you know it doesn't seem as though anything is imminent at this moment, but I do think that now that um, the, the Zegris business is taken care of. There's, there's going to be uh, a chance now to see uh, what the Ducks do. I mean, Drysdale's skated a little bit in Toronto uh, with, at Toronto Metropolitan University with the, the men's team there and, and tried to keep himself in shape. But, um, you know, I think the Ducks and, and he will both be pushed here to try to, to find uh, some solutions. They've got a little over a week before the start of the NHL season. And I know we both are excited for that. So we'll see what happens uh, in the world of the Anaheim Ducks. We will get to Shane Pinto as the show goes on. And it is Monday, uh, so it is an Ask CJ day. Uh, so we'll get to all of your questions, too. We will get to You Can Bet That before we get to anything else, though. But uh, stay tuned for more uh, Ottawa Senator stuff and Steve Dangle being right. Welcome to You Can Bet That. Remember to hit up sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all of your gaming needs. Uh, here's a fun one on the Sports Interaction website. Will we see a first-time cup champion this year? Uh, for those who are wondering who have not won a Stanley Cup in uh, the National Hockey League, Columbus, Vancouver, Arizona, Winnipeg, Seattle, Florida, Nashville, Buffalo, Ottawa, San Jose, and Minnesota. Uh, the odds at that are at 5.00, if not 1.114. Uh, CJ, what do you think of that uh, of that bet? Well, I mean, really, I, I I hear maybe three teams in there that I think have have a realistic shot. You know, Seattle obviously coming off 
Um, you know, pretty strong playoffs last year. You know, Florida was in the cup final. I, I don't know how they're going to manage the start of the season here with a couple of their defensemen down injured for the, the first few months. Uh, but, but, you know, they've shown that they can get it together at the right time and go on a run. Maybe Minnesota. You know, I think sometime, you know, people might be sleeping a little bit on the wild. I mean, I, I'm probably more inclined to take the field here that you're going to see an organization that's got the job done in the past do it again, just because I, I do think the best teams and, and the teams with the best chance of winning, whether you want to listen to, you know, Vegas, Dallas, Colorado, Edmonton, Toronto, you know, those, those sorts of teams to me probably are more likely, but maybe you're feeling frisky and it's time for some new history to be written. Mm, feeling frisky indeed. Maybe you are, maybe you are not. But whatever you do, don't forget to check out sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN for all the best odds before game, in game, and the best props. Sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it? I know for me, therapy has helped me with that. And I know for other people, it has also helped them with that. Therapy is a really useful resource for a lot of people. And if you are looking to find a place to start, if you're looking for a therapist and some different options that could help you out, uh, BetterHelp is a great place to start. If you've benefited from therapy, always great to share your experience. And BetterHelp is great with that. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Johnston today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Johnston. So we spent some time discussing the Anaheim Ducks, CJ. Let's get to the Ottawa Senators. Still nothing, it seems, on the front of uh, Shane Pinto and a new contract over there. There's also some front office news with Steve Stales joining the organization. But let's start with Shane Pinto first. Where are we at? Where we're at is it's getting a little bit more tense, I'd say, um, You know, which is kind of how these things go when sides have been at this for a while and, and the, the consequences are getting a little more real and, and you haven't been able to break through and make progress. And, you know, let's face it, Ottawa still is in the same spot as when we've talked about this in the past and that they, they don't have a lot of salary cap space in order to sign Shane Pinto. Um, you know, it looks like they're, they're, they're taking cracks at one and two year offers. And, you know, I think that if you're in this player's camp and, and rightfully so, I mean, he's coming off a 20 goal season, you know, why should he be the one to have to maybe make a concession in order to to make all the money work there? And so, you know, I, I still do think it's going to head in the right direction, I, you know, because they are looking at shorter term options. Usually that's easier to eventually make some decisions on the money. But the senators, the fact remains, need to to free up the money, the, the, the ability or the space in order to pay him one of those contracts. And, you know, here they are right now as we're recording this out in Nova Scotia. They got a game on Monday night against Sidney Crosby and the Pittsburgh Penguins there in Halifax. And then they, they got some team building and bonding golf and the like uh, right after it. And, and, you know, for a team that has, you know, pretty big expectations to try and climb up and, you know, break through and make the playoffs this year, just not having one of your, your key young players in camp is, you know, at a certain point becomes, I guess, a degree of a, of a distraction or, you know, certainly a discussion point. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of curious to see how these next couple of days will play out. Um, and if there's a, an ability for maybe for the senators to come forward with a little stronger offer than what they put on the table so far, 
you know, Pinto's looking at, you know, two and a half million on, on a two-year deal. Uh, you know, I'm sure the Sens would like to keep him a little closer to what Morgan Frost got in Philadelphia, which is 2.1 million on a two-year deal. Again, I think that they're in that the ballpark range is there, but you know, the cap being what it is, you know, the, that last hundred thousand one way or the other is important. I mean, it, first of all, it's real money in a player's pocket. Uh, but second to that is the team needs uh, as much breathing room as it can find. And so I think that they've, they've kind of been, um, you know, they've had to take a step back maybe the last couple of days. Cause um, you know, they weren't making progress in the last week, but I do think, you know, something to keep an eye on with the senators now being in the Maritimes, really gearing up for their season, getting down to the nitty gritty here with the, uh, you know, their opening game in Carolina next week, you know, fast approaching, um, you know, let's see if there's, there's a, a move in the other direction, much like we saw in the Zegra situation with Anaheim that, that gets, gets this one done because, you know, at this point in time, they're uh, they're still a, a ways between them. Is there a possibility, a genuine possibility, that the Senators are going to have to move someone out in order to make a Shane Pinto contract work? It looks that way. I can't see, you know, how else they get this done. Um, you know, there's just there's only so many ways to create salary cap space. I, I suppose they could be sending a surprising player and maybe bury him in the minors or something like that. But but you know. By and large, I think this is mostly focused on them making another sort of trade. And, and you know, we know they've had some discussions with Philadelphia uh, around Matthew Joseph and, and what it might take to get him uh, off, off their hands. You know, I, I don't know if it ends up being that player or someone else, but I mean, they, they need the money, right? They're, they're in a they're in a difficult spot. And, and I mean, easy for us to sit here and second guess. You just wonder, how, how did you get in this place? I mean, it, it's it's. Um, you know, look, lots of teams are in are in salary cap, maybe not jail, but purgatory right now. I mean, there's you're you're hearing similar conversations in lots of markets, whether it's Tampa losing Vasilevsky and not having the money really to go out and try to replace him, or not having the space rather, even even though they can use LTIR. Um, you know, teams like the Leafs and others are going to have to do a lot of cap gymnastics between now and next Tuesday when they when they've got to finalize the rosters for opening night. Uh, and Ottawa's in that in that group. I mean, they're, they're going to spend right to the ceiling, and it's going to take, I think, moving someone out in order to truly create the room they need to get Pinto on the contract. Unless, look, there are still some games to be played. Maybe maybe an injury comes along right now and it changes the whole picture. I mean, that that's sort of the typical proviso. But you know, we're at the point in preseason we're mostly just watching to see who's injured. I mean, I hate to admit that, but um, with so many teams at or near the cap ceiling and, and, and having difficult salary cap pictures to finalize, you know, getting through healthy is, is an imperative for a lot of those teams. And so, um, you know, that's, that's kind of where we're at night right now with Ottawa. Um, which RFA situation do you think gets resolved first? Jamie Drysdale or Shane Pinto? Ooh, I'm going to go with Drysdale and, and only because, you know, there's just less that needs to happen. I mean, obviously they haven't come to an agreement on terms, but you know, the, the ducks as a team have cap space to sign him. And, you know, they've been at this for a while. I know his agent, Dave Gagne was down in Anaheim, had, you know, some face-to-face time with Pat Verbeek, the, the ducks general manager. And so, you know, it's, it's been a long slog of a negotiation there and it hasn't, you know, I think it's challenged the emotions on both sides of the table, but it's, it's easier to see that getting done. Whereas, you know, in Ottawa, you have a difficult negotiation with the player in Pinto that they like very much, but also just this idea that there has to be another team. And, and 
you know, obviously those other teams, they, they might like the player you're trying to send them, whether it's Matthew Joseph or someone else, but they're not taking them for free. I mean, they, they recognize the senators are in a difficult spot leverage wise. And so, you know, Ottawa has got to try to complete a trade and, and, you know, finalize a contract with the player. And so I'll, I'll just, I'll take the easiest path for 500 here, Alex. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to go the, the Jamie Drysdale one gets resolved and ultimately leaves Pinto and the senators uh, as, as the last RFA situation standing. I appreciate the Jeopardy reference. Thank you. I like Jeopardy. Are you a Jeopardy fan? Yes. I, I mean, how could you not be a Jeopardy fan? I'm not watching it every day, but certainly if I'm ever home with idle time and it's on, I, that's, that's, I'll be stopping on that channel more often than not. Yeah. I, I like watching the show when it's on. I like it when they have a category that appeals to my interest. I love watching like people on that show who have no idea about like sports or like rap or something. And all of a sudden they have to like, like, what is Tupac for 800? Like, I don't know. Like, is what is you know, pickleball? It, it's always funny to see that. Yeah. Like I love stuff like that. Anyway, uh, maybe we'll incorporate some kind of Jeopardy content on a future episode of the CJ show. I'm a, I'm a former reach for the top player school reach. I don't, okay. I don't know if you had that. What is, what is reach for the top for people who don't know? It's essentially team trivia that, that we did in high schools in Ontario. I don't, I don't know if it's across the country. I don't know if it's across borders. If you know what, but essentially we would be like a four person team and, and there's buzzers and you buzz questions. There's certain ones you could sort of uh, congregate as a team to come up with the answer. And, and basically it's basically a, a trivia competition, but if I'm being honest, I was not the strongest member of the team. So I was, I was good enough to be part of the team, but I was not carrying the, I was, I was not carrying us through uh, to the provincials or anything like that on my own. I think there was a reach for the top club at my high school. So it, was defi- it definitely reached Quebec. But all that to say, uh, if we're ever in a situation where we're at a bar on a Monday night and it's trivia night, you're not the worst person to have on a trivia team. No, I'm not the worst. But as I say, I'm not a star. Like I, I have seen some people who are unreal at trivia. So I, I, I think that I'm like the third line capable winger of trivia. But I'm, I'm, not, uh, I'm not scoring you 50 or winning the trivia con Smythe, that is for sure. Okay, that's fair. All right, well, now that's something else to aspire to put on our show too, some kind of trivia segment. Anyway, we're coming up with ideas here on the CJ Show. Uh, let's get to Steve Steos and uh, him joining the organization from the Edmonton Oilers. He joins Michael Ann Lauer and the Senators as uh, president of hockey operations. There is a history between the two men. Uh, what can you say about that situation? Well, this must be the least surprising bit of news to, to come out of anything. I mean, given the long history between Ann Lauer and Steos and, and the time they spent together with Ann Lauer's Ontario hockey league team in Hamilton. Um, the fact that really there was rumors that he would be part of the front office from the moment it became apparent that Ann Lauer uh, was going to take over the senators. But, you know, I, I still think it's a significant uh, hiring because obviously we're, we're going to see a different senators front office here. I mean, this has been at times probably the most bareborn barebone operation in the league. Uh, Eugene Melnick, uh, the, the prior enter, uh, owner in Ottawa, w- was not fond of um, spending too much money. He certainly had some challenges with with being liquid at certain times. And so, you know, I, I think you're going to see a beefed up front office. So even the fact that there's a president of hockey operations, you know, Michael Anlauer has also hired Cyril Leader back to the organization. He, he was an original member of the ownership group or that, that brought the senators to Ottawa, but he's going to be on the business side. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with Pierre Dorian. Does Daniel Alfredson find a place in this front office? I mean, I suggest that that's, that seems like there's, there's, you know, 
more than enough smoke there to suggest that that could happen. So, you know, I, I think that we're seeing the Sens be reshaped a little bit. And, you know, in Steos, they have a highly respected, um, you know, longtime player. He worked a little bit for the Leafs in the front office, went to his time uh, in Hamilton, the Ontario Hockey League, and then spent, you know, the last year, give or take, with the Oilers organization. So, you know, pretty uh, pretty well tied in guy and, and respected guy is Steve Steos. And, you know, I think for me, it's not so much evaluating just him, but it's, it's sort of where does this go next? I mean, how does how does the front office get changed or reshaped um you know Esteos at the helm of it and and obviously he's someone who has that tie directly to the new owner and so you know it, it's only natural to, to think that uh that there's going to be some changes in Ottawa and and there's a lot of pressure uh for those that have been around right I mean Pierre Dorian uh has, has sort of gone through this rebuild he's been the GM that's made some difficult trades and got to the point where they have these young players and you know, he obviously wants to be around to see the team climb back up and become a, a potential contender again. And so in order for that to happen, um, obviously he's got to make a positive impression on his new bosses. And I'm sure a little bit of success on the ice this season probably wouldn't hurt either. I'm sure. Uh, also, we have to mention the fact that uh, Steve Dangle linked Steve Steos uh, to the Ottawa Senators as early as June 13th at 9 a.m. Eastern time, 7 o'clock mountain time. So that's probably 6 a.m. Pacific time. Dang you shaking in your boots. Dangles coming oh, wait, for my job, bud. That's what I was about to ask you. Are you shaking in your boots at the prospect of Steve Dangle noted? Uh, it Actually, he has the perfect name already for his job. He does. Well, and look at he's uh, my boss and now he's coming for my job. Like what? I mean, what else does he want? He's like he's like stealing my lunch money and. Smart insider man. Smart insider man. Smart insider man. I love it though. The more the merrier. It doesn't bother me. It doesn't bother bother me either. I'm I'm happy that uh, it's a win for us at the SDPN. Congratulations on that, Steve. Hashtag Steve was right. Um, we have time for for ask CJ. We've got a bunch of questions that came in. Uh, let's try to get to as many as we can. I know some came on Twitter. Some came on Discord and stuff. There's some hockey stuff, but there's some fun stuff too. It, you ready to delve into that? Let siege? it fly. Let's go. I, From totally, oh, I was going to say I have not perused these, so I don't. This is all these. This is all first time uh, to me. Perfect. From totally underscore offside on Twitter. Uh, this particular question, uh, there was some, there was some feedback in the mentions on this one. So I'm curious what you'll say about this. If you had to be stuck on a desert island with a single NHL player, who would it be? Assume you only have the suit on your back. Very convenient that you're wearing a suit uh, today, CJ. And that player can bring their hockey gear plus a real-life version of their team's name. So, uh, like, Matthews could bring, like, a, a Toronto Maple Leaf. Or, or Trevor Zegras uh, could bring a, a duck. <laughs> Something like that. It's funny because yeah. the first player that popped into mind was yeah. Brent Burns. Because I feel like Brent Burns could survive, would know how to survive. And I think he'd be entertaining. But the problem is I don't want him bringing a hurricane with him. <laughs> <laughs> so it does. he fits the first part of the criteria, but he does not fit the second part. Because we don't need no hurricane. No. None of the teams he's played for would have ever helped in that situation. Do you want him bringing wildlife to you? Do you want him bringing a shark? No. I mean, I guess, what do we want? Do we want, like, a Dallas star? Because we want to be lit up at night? 
yeah, you want to get a sense of where you're going, I guess. Because some of these teams, I don't know what it is, really. Like, you don't really want to brew in there. Or, uh, yeah, do you want do you want a, an oil rig? Or a king? Maybe we want that, a king there to, like, give us some money. Or, like, have, have some kind of, of, of trans, transit situation that can get you off that island? <laughs> uh, I mean, the Canadian will do us nothing. No, there's there's enough of that already. That goes for the Canucks as well. We're literally thinking this out in real time, so I'm, I'm sure there are people who are listening or yelling out a very obvious answer. Uh, well, I don't know because I, mean, I don't think there's an obvious answer for what kind of person you want to be with, especially if you have to account for what real life thing they're going to bring. Yeah, the hurricane really stymied me there. <laughs> Yeah, the hurricane. Because I was one like, Brent very, Burns like, would be perfect for this. Like he could, like he knows what to do with the wildlife. You know that guy can live off the land, and I think he'd be hilarious. You don't want a predator. You don't want a devil. You do you want a? I mean, a ranger? Mm. No, I don't know. I mean, if they could tell you where to go, how to get off the island, I don't. know. If you could find someone who can get you off the island, that's probably the best bet here. But. This 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 might be one we might not have I'm a proper answer. I'm kind of stumped. Yeah, this this doesn't happen. I'm kind of stunned. Well, what was there like opinions in the in the mentions there? Like, did anyone else? Basically, like a lot of people were saying, like you know, we'll we'll just trying to get more specifics about the question. It was just like a pretty long winded conversation. Right. As I scroll back to try to find it, uh, but yeah, like a or not. Actually, you know what? There might actually be a very obvious one. You would probably want an Islander. Ah. So which... You would probably want an which Islander. Islander are we bringing? Do you want Bo Horvat? Oh, Captain, my captain? Yeah, 8.5 mil. He's got something. <laughs> sure, let's go with Bo Horvat. <laughs> Bo Horvat is... I've already answer. expelled way uh, too much energy thinking this through. Absolutely. Let's get to uh, another one from Richard Trionfo, and I promise I'm not I'm not trolling here. This person is. Will the Minnesota Twins be able to finally win a playoff game for the first time since 2004? Does the fact that it is against Toronto make it easier to happen? Absolutely makes it easier to happen. I, I watched the Blue Jays enough this year to know to know what they're capable of, but I'm still back in my team. I actually briefly thought about going to Minnesota for a game. Really? I was like checking flights and checking tickets, but it's. Why aren't you going? You should go. It's, it's just tough. I mean, obviously it's the last week before the season starts. There's lots of work stuff. It was not, it was not insignificant, the cost. And then I was also like, I'm going to go all this way and the Jays are going to break my heart. So. Oh, so to answer the question. I, no. I, I mean, I think the Twins will win at least a game. And the question is, can they win two out of three? And and I'm hoping not. Uh, I, I think you should have gone. I think you should. You should. I, have, your, I mean, I, I should be clear. Great photo of you, by the way, with the, J, with the Jays paraphernalia, by the way. Thanks, buddy. I oh. do have tickets to both games in Toronto if there is an ALDS here. So, um, so I, I that is the other thing. I was like, I'm going to keep the powder dry. I'm just going to have some confidence the Jays get it done against Minnesota and then I'll make decisions about what games I attend after that. Are you going to live tweet any of those, uh, any of those games? I hope not. I try really hard. <laughs> I, 
It's funny because I, I have watched a, a huge percentage of the Jays games, especially through August and September. And I was thinking, like, if I live tweeted those games, you guys would think I am a total maniac. Because, like, I have ridden the roller coaster all over the place with this team this year. Like, I will, I will admit, I am hate watching them some days. Like, that's how frustrated oh. I get with it. And I do have a couple friends that are really dialed in. And, and typically at 8.30, 9 p.m., we're texting about what's going on. And I'm like, I'm glad I have just, I, I have not taken this to the streets. I've not made this public. I've just kept it inside. What if, like, the Jays somehow go on a magical run through the ALDS, they get to the ALCS, and there's a chance they get to go to the World Series? Would you do, like, some kind of, like, watch the Blue Jays with CJ or something? Like, everyone goes to the SDPN studio. We just, everyone could just tune in, just, like, watch you, like, freak out over the Blue Jays. Yeah. That would be a pretty cool I way. would do that. I have no idea if Adam, Steve, and Jesse think that's a good idea, but I'm, I'm not above that because I'll be watching those games anyway. That much is for sure. All right, cool. So a uh, free idea for uh, the people up top at the SDPN. Let's get to another question from Barris Fueler. Have power play formations and entries become stale or unimaginative? What are the clues? It's a pretty interesting question. Well, I think that certainly you see a, a lot of the same thing from, from teams. I mean, obviously there's, there's certain teams, you know, Washington's a notable one where they have one particular shooter that, you know, they're, they're looking to get Ovechkin one-timers. Um, but, but there's, I, I don't know if it, I call it stale, but certainly it does seem like we see a lot of the same sort of formations. You know, for example, you've seen a, most of the teams and not all, but most top power plays now deploy one defenseman. You know, that's something that's probably come about in the last handful of years. Um, you know, lots of, I know it drives fans nuts, but you see a lot of teams entering the zone with a drop pass. Uh, to try to create yeah. seams that way. And, and I know it can frustrate the, the the people that cheer for those teams, although those do have a higher percentage of success rates in terms of a clean entry. Um, I don't, I don't know if I call it stale, but, but I mean, look, we're seeing more teams score power play goals. So I think, I think that what we've seen actually in the last couple of years is teams find more success in the power play and do it with a lot of the same ways. And, you know, there's evolution from year to year um, and some changes and tweaks, but, you know, for me, I wouldn't use the word stale, but I could see how someone might say that because if you're watching very closely on special teams play, uh, there's not a whole lot of true imagination or differentiation between what, what teams are trying to accomplish. Okay, let's see how that changes as the year goes on. Uh, TomBot97 on Twitter. Do you think the Los Angeles Kings are genuine contenders this year? I was shocked when the Kings traded for Pierre-Luc Dubois instead of Connor Hellebuck this offseason. I guess recent cup champions have shown that it is more important to be deep at center instead of having an elite goalie. There, yes, I would have them in like the secondary group. And we haven't done this. But like if you told me right now the Kings are going to win the Stanley Cup on June 24th, 2024, I would say, oh, okay. I could see that. Like, I, I don't think it's a stretch to be thinking that way. I'm sure the organization is thinking that way. I mean, the, the question, of course, is, you know, how do they get through Edmonton, who's beat them out of the playoffs the last two years? Can they get through Vegas? Can they get through some of the other sort of teams that I might put a little higher if we were to list the contenders in a more likely scenario? But I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that L.A. could do it. I, I wonder about the goaltending. I think that's only natural, um, you know, where they've they've – Obviously gone for a pretty big shift here. They traded Jonathan Quick last year um, and and are going with all new guys in net. And so who knows how that'll work out. But 
weren't a lot of people this time last year saying Aiden Hill was about to be a cup champion as the goaltender of record. So yeah, I think, I think I'd have LA somewhere off the top of my head in like the eight to 12 range of teams um, that, that have a chance to win a cup, but, but not, not in the top, top class or top tier of contenders. Okay. Uh, from Jacob O'Rourke, what's CJ's favorite interaction he's ever had with a player? Oh man. You're asking me to think through 20 years of interactions. Uh, specifically Jacob O'Rourke is. It's a good question, Jacob, but it's hard to. My, my, I was wondering if the answer was going to be uh, Eric Carlson after that time you, there was a joke about him with the karaoke. Yeah, I like that one. F no. I mean, honestly, some of them are things I can't really share. I don't think on the podcast. Like when you're talking about my favorite, it's like what's memorable. Well, sometimes what's memorable is are pretty funny things, and I'm not alluding to anything like really, really offside. But like you know, it's it's less of, um, it's less of just the data. It's it's the stuff that really pops or stands out. Um, I know for me, last year there was a time in the locker room where uh, I was having a conversation with with Nikita Zadorov and. He was trying to remember uh, these players from uh, the Central Red Army, well, the the great line with with players like Valery Kalarmov, and I couldn't remember the names right away. And he was like, "You you call yourself a hockey reporter and you don't know that team." And everyone within earshot heard that, and everyone was like, "Oh!" And I felt like the loneliest person in the room. But like, it was funny. I, I get it. He got me. It was fine. That's probably going to stand out for me. But like, that's a. That's actually funny. The more that I think about it, that's, I guess that would be my, my, my pick. Right. I mean, being chirped is always fun. Right. I, but I, I'll say that's fun. Like maybe one that stands out to me. I don't know if I can label this my absolute favorite, but I'll take you all the way back to the 2013 Stanley cup playoffs. And uh, I was covering the Leafs and Bruins series. And in game one of that series, Clark MacArthur, who'd been a pretty important member of that Leafs team was scratched. And there was two days between games one and two, the Leafs lost game one. And I remember I, I was at the rink pretty early for the practice they were having there. And, and Clark was having a long discussion with the Leafs team psychologist in the stands. And so the morning of game two, I went and asked him about that. He was getting back in the lineup. And I think he was just, again, I'm, I'm really paraphrasing. I'm going off of a, a number of years of memory, but he was saying something along the lines of like having to believe in himself again. And he, and he said, I'm going to score tonight. And he said it on the record. He predicted he's going to score. And then he scored in that game. And I believe it might've been the game winning goal and they won game two. And like, that was pretty cool. Like just something like that was like really memorable and to have the quote from the morning. And then he goes out and does it. I mean, that's, that's, I, I don't know if that's the number one thing that that's ever happened, but it's something that like jumps out my mind. Like that was actually really cool when that happened. And obviously you can imagine when I actually saw him score after he'd made that, that prediction, but you know, one of the, I'll say this, one of the things I'm probably struggling with is most is that I think my favorite part of the job might be the, the, the social part, the, the challenge of getting information and news out of players or executives, building those relationships, having those sort of interactions. And so it's, it really is hard to distill 20 years down to, to one favorite thing. I mean, the, the truth is, is I've been lucky to be a lot of cool places and have these kind of interactions. And so I, I can't say that one thing stands out. Oh, well, we tried. 
<laughs> he tried. There was an attempt. It was made. Uh, but yeah, we know you have the treasure trove. Of maybe six. Maybe six hours from now, I'm going to be like eating dinner or something in my living room, and I'm going to think like, oh, I should have told that story. That was the perfect one, but I don't have it. Sidney Crosby said this. I don't have it on the tip of my tongue right now. That's eh, okay. Uh, we've done enough damage uh, for the Monday edition of the CJ Show. We'll be back on Thursday with a brand new episode. Uh, well done, Siege. Well done today. You've 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 put in your work. Put in an honest day's work, my friend. Yep. Trying to get this setup dialed in. I had Jesse Blake at my house this morning, trying trying yes. to get the mic a little better. So I hope. Thank you for everyone for sticking with us. I see the frustrations with my tech setup. Part of it is that I am tech illiterate. Uh, it's actually hilarious. Jesse came here today. Full disclosure. He gets it all dialed in. We fired up, and the first minute we can't get the mic working. And producer Nick, <laughs> producer Nick phones Jesse, and Jesse has the very bright idea to unplug the mic and plug it back in. And lo and behold, that seemed to work. And it worked. That's the funny <laughs> thing. It worked. Sometimes it's just what you have to do, man. But anyway, uh, I'm glad the setup works up. It has worked out siege, and uh, hopefully continues for uh, more episodes. My bad. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not getting ahead of myself. I'm just living uh, one episode at a time, Julian. Trying to do the right things, take care of my game here. Yeah, you sound like a hockey player now. All these cliches. What is this? You gonna you're gonna get pucks in deep all of a sudden? What is hey, this? It's a hockey podcast. It's it's apropos. It's very true. For CJ, I'm Julian. So long. Peace. The Chris Johnston Show, powered by Sports Interaction. Wanna bet? Inside the game, twice a week. Follow Chris on Twitter at ReporterChris. And follow Julian McKenzie at JK McKenzie. The Chris Johnston Show.